What's going on, everybody? So for today's episode, we talked to Melinda DeSetta, who is a certified sex therapist and licensed psychotherapist who helps people fall in love with their relationships and live their best sex life. She is also the founder of Insight Counseling Center Miami. Love the love the title of that, by the way. <laughs> she is in the final stages of earning her PhD in clinical sexology. And today we focused mainly on sexual complacency in your relationship and what you can do to maybe avoid getting into that and ways in which you can work with your partner or by yourself to get out of that. And honestly, like, I thought this was a great conversation, but I felt a little bit nervous uh, going into it because of certain questions that I wanted to ask, but I've never really asked before. And these were not topics I've ever discussed with anyone before. <laughs> so it, it felt a little nerve wracking, but all the more important. Let's get to it. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Have a Little Insight. We are here today with Melinda DeSetta, the Miami sex therapist. And we are going to talk today about sexual complacency. So if you have ever been in a rut with your partner or you're wondering how to just avoid that completely, that's, uh, that's what we're here for today. So hi, Melinda. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. And this is one of my favorite topics. Nice. Awesome. Well, it's, it's glad to have you on here. And yeah, from when we had spoken before, we we had a kind of a general idea of what we'd want to talk to you about. But I think talking about this is very pertinent, especially now. I completely agree. And it's something that I'm seeing outside of quarantine too, though, like sexual complacency, breaking it down. What is it? So sexual complacency is similarly known as a sexual rut. So it's in a couple, when you find yourself having sex at the same times, the same day, the same choreography, that creates like this neutrality to sex. The neutrality to sex then decreases desire, which decreases to free the frequency. And then we find ourselves having little sex, no sex. And this happens in every single relationship at some point. Some point we fall into the sexual complacency. Um, and I see it in all ages. I, I see it in early 20s. I see it all the way up. So I think this is relevant for everyone who's been in a relationship or to think about if you're going to be in a relationship. I think that's really interesting too, that you see it at all ages, because I know I've heard a lot of times from like older couples or couples who have been together for a long time. It's like, oh, we had great sex till 50. And it's interesting to hear that it's even happening to people in like their early 20s or like mid 20s. It's just something that happens. I think sex in your 20s is the most difficult time to have sex. Like I was always taught 30s is the best time for your sex life. And now I'm learning from my clients that no, no, no. The best part of your sex life is the older you get, the better sex you have. And there's many, many reasons for that. But sex in your early 20s and all, like all through that time is a lot of where my clients are right now. So there's a lot of performance anxiety and that is not a taboo. That is not a stereotype. Like that is a thing. Performance anxiety exists and it affects men and women. So I have a lot of men who come to me as, as virgins who come to me 
in a relationship saying they do everything they can to avoid sex. And just focusing on males right now, males will come to me and say, I do everything I can to avoid sex because I'm afraid of disappointing my partner. And then my partner will see me as a failure. If my partner sees me as a failure, then it opens me up to really see myself as a failure. And this is why I truly believe sex is between the ears, not between the legs, because sex is so mental. So in order, who's getting in our way of having that great sex? We are. Our thoughts are. Yeah. So it, I guess it comes down to a bit of a communication issue too, right? Like if you have an insecurity around a performance um, or like, I guess even your perception of what sex is or should be like, then that can play a factor too into like being scared or worried about jumping into something with your partner or trying something different. Yeah. And communication is, is key because what does communication do, right? You learn what your partner likes. You learn their hell no's, like you learn the maybes, like you learn their pleasure pathway. You learn what they enjoy. That's pretty surface level, but what is going on underneath with sexual communication and communication in general So when you're talking to your partner about something vulnerable, like you're opening up your vulnerability doors to your partner, if your partner accepts them and says, I accept you, I expect them, I I accept your insecurities, I accept what you want in bed, what they're really doing is sending you back a message that this is safe. I can feel emotionally and physically safe with my partner. So that's even what's underneath all the, how do you like it? How do you want it? Is that emotional safety or not that emotional safety feeling like, you know, opening our vulnerability doors to our partner and then feeling like that they don't really accept us. It can feel kind of like a rejection. So we put up then all these defenses and that defense gets in our way of having really great sex. So that's where communication comes in as one but I think going back to performance anxiety there's a whole individual piece there there's an individual piece as well of just helping yourself overcome this anxiety helping yourself realize that sex is not porn um porn is not real sex so uh bringing down some of that stereotypically I need to perform bringing down some of those anxieties into more realistic place so if we go back to sexual complacency and we talk about anxiety, <clears throat> I know that a lot of times when you get into a rut with your partner physically, there is an anxiety that can sometimes develop about even getting started again or how you get back into being intimate. If you do get into a rut with your partner, how do you even start to get out of that? Like communication, maybe talking about it, addressing it. But I feel like all of a sudden you have all of this anxiety. You don't know how to get started. Maybe they don't want to, maybe you don't want to, you don't even know how you got here in the first place, but like, here you are. Right. You definitely don't realize it because it can be very gradual, very slow. And a lot of things put us in it. So you'll hear the honeymoon stage. And I really, truly believe the honeymoon stage exists. And it's kind of like a six month to a year thing. But as soon as you get comfortable with that person and you allow that person into your true life, you're going to experience stress with your partner because we just experience stress. We experience tiredness. We experience hurt. 
with our partner. And all these things can be libido decreasers. So feeling like, okay, we're getting into this sexual complacency, this sexual rut, there is an emotional piece of healing that has to be done because oftentimes in a couple, there's what we call mixed libidos when one person wants more sex than the other. So if one person is wanting more sex and the partner saying, no, I'm tired and kind of rolling over and going to bed, right? That other person kind of can start to feel rejected. And these are little past hurts that then we put a defense up and maybe we don't try the next night and furthering into that sexual rut. So again, going back to that emotional safety that we need to feel with our partner. So if if a couple comes to me, they don't know how they got here. It was over time. That's really common. So, you know, we'll kind of go back to a place of feeling emotionally and physically safe with our partner. But then after that, there's so many fun things that you can add to kind of spice up and help break this sexual complacency. And I mean, I can go into some of those topics if if you want. (laughs) I'm curious before we do, because that's super interesting to me, but when you say redeveloping that emotional and physical safety, how would you start? Like, what would be some of the ways to even get started in that? It's tough because sometimes we don't even know what we're really feeling. We can just kind of feel, we can feel emotionally close. So usually when a couple comes to me, they're like, we love each other. We feel we have a great relationship. Just all of a sudden we stopped having sex and we don't understand why. Mm -hmm. So it's healing and feeling emotionally safe again in attempting feeling emotionally safe to ask for what you want again so that you do desire it. You know, I talked about earlier, we just kind of get into that neutrality of sex. Well, that may be because we stopped exploring our own bodies. We stopped exploring where our pleasure pathway went. And if we don't know that, how are we supposed to ask for it from our partner? So feeling like these things are okay to talk about, feeling like it's totally safe to initiate whether my partner says yes or no again, so that I don't internalize that as a rejection, you know, healing from some of those past feelings. So like maybe even talking, like, I'm just thinking about this, talking to your partner about maybe why they're saying no or not in the mood. And instead of creating our own story around it, that like, oh, you're not attracted to me. I'm being rejected. Maybe there's something else going on for them. Yeah. And let's go back to like the libido. So your libido is your sex drive and it's driven by your testosterone. Your sex hormone is your testosterone and your biggest sex organ is your brain. So thinking about some of the things that would totally decrease our libido that are probably many times, everything's very multifaceted, but are outside of your partner. So if you're stressed at work, you're stressed with the change of quarantine. You might not feel like having sex when your partner attempts, you're just kind of in your own stressed up place. Um, Another thing that really threw a lot of couples off, and so I saw more sexual complacency, was the idea of change with quarantine. So quarantine was a big change in 2020. We all had to change our lives. And the world changes, 
culture changes, society changes. And as the world changes, a relationship has to adapt to that change. The dynamic in the relationship has to be adapt. So what happens is when there's a big world change that we experience, it pushes the couple off of their foundation and they have to readapt, rechange, recreate that dynamic. A lot of people are like, Hey, I got to figure out how to work at home with my partner. <laughs> you know, so we have to change that dynamic. That really threw a lot of people off, not meaning that they want to end the relationship where they were unhappy. Change in general can be a little stressful. Stress is the biggest libido decreaser. Therefore, all these reasons, I'm maybe saying no to my partner has nothing to do with my partner. And I think that's really important to kind of heal from because the other person may say, what am I doing? Are they not attracted to me? Am I not good enough? Was my performance not good enough last time? Right. It's, I guess it's not like, a, it's, a, it's like that phrase of, you know, it's not, it's not you, it's me, right? <laughs> it's almost, <laughs> like I'm, I got my own stuff going on. I'm stressed about all this change and on an individual level. Yeah. And everything's very multifaceted. Right. So you bring your own stuff in. I'm sure, honestly, in a relationship, there always hurts. I'm sure that's coming out too. So it is a little bit like deli delicately navigating some of these things um, while also bringing positivity to it. You know, this is normal. I hear that you guys want to continue. Just because you're having a sexual complacency rut doesn't mean that you need to end the relationship or that big things need to change. Um, I just spoke about sexual complacency on Valentine's Day. And I was like, listen, you don't have to book a trip to the Bahamas in the sexy bungalow. No. <laughs> One of the best ways to change sexual complacency is, hey, if you're having sex in the bed all the time and rolling over and going to sleep, try having sex in the kitchen. Everything will be changed. <laughs> it all changes. It's a different feeling. You're learning. You're having a different position. You're learning your partner. You're sending messages back and forth. Little, little changes make big differences and it doesn't have to cost a bunch of money. Right. So I guess I'm curious about, it's not necessarily like it's something that's completely avoidable. Cause I, I think I was listening to one of your podcast episodes and you're talking about how there's like little mini relationships within a relationship kind of right. And I thought that was interesting. So I think like there is always going to be times in our lives where there is stress and maybe we're not completely focused on, having fun with our partner or um, experimenting with new things, but maybe that time frame can be a lot smaller or, or is it something that can be avoided altogether of getting into a complacency? I think part of, I don't really think it necessarily can be avoided. I think there are things you can always do to maybe keep your desire high, but some of the things that we can do really are helping keep our stress levels down you know, some of our coping skills in those different areas, but I don't really believe that there is a way to fully avoid it. And I don't necessarily think it's a totally bad thing that you're experiencing this. I understand it's not comfortable, but if you are experiencing this out there, it's something that this is maybe a time to totally explore and regain even more bonding in, in your relationship. And I like that you brought up there's many little relationships in one relationship because I say that a lot to my clients and they're a little bit shocked. And I especially say this to a married couple who's been married for so many years. And this goes back to when the world changes, the relationship has to readapt. 
the dynamic has to start again. So, you know, the relationship many couples had pre prior to quarantine, is probably a different relationship than they have now. Um, a big example, like a stark example of this would be, you know, when a couple then has children, their relationship changes after children. Mm-hmm. If one goes back to work, it's a different relationship. So you're always kind of, the world is always kind of throwing you off your foundation, but when you come back and you create that new dynamic, it's kind of like this new little relationship to get used to. And and these things are healthy. And I think they're needed because if you stay in that very initial relationship, you're developing as a person, the world's developing and it wouldn't work. So these changes are very healthy. You're adapting and growing together and individually. So if it's unavoidable, like, or not completely avoidable, and the majority of couples go through this at some point or another, let's talk about how we get out of it. (laughs) So I always, I like to bring up first, get it out of the way, is toys. And I'm a, if you watch any of my podcasts or see my Instagram, you know, I'm a huge proponent of toys, not just because I'm sponsored by toy companies. But I think there are two main points of reason why I love toys. And the first is, you know, when you think about a toy is something new and kind of shiny and it's a new toy and you want to play with it right away, right? So there is some excitement, anticipated pleasure of having this new toy arrive in the mail or pick up at the store and you become really, really happy that that toy has half a battery charge because to use it. So that's, that's one reason that toys are fun. But two is when you're shopping for that toy, what's happening? So whether you're in the store or you're online and you're shopping for that toy, your partner is saying, I want to try this one. I don't like this one. Well, this is a maybe. What you're doing is you're learning your partner's desires. You're learning their pleasure pathway, but you're also creating this emotional safety right? So you're sharing with each other and you're accepting what each other is saying. Hopefully not always. It can go back into place of not feeling emotionally safe too, which is a sign um, about some, that there's something to talk about or work through, but you're learning each other and you're saying this is safe. Like this is safe to kind of bring this toy in. This is safe to kind of experiment in this way. And so you feel that. So I'd like those two reasons for bringing toys in. Um, other things, like I said, you don't have to make big changes, but sex is between the ears and not the legs. So what is some of the things we can do in our mind to help break this sexual rut? Well, creating a romantic night, creating a romantic night is something I think that's really positive, whether you have sex or not, you're just kind of helping yourself get in that mood and you can begin to feel sexy yourself. So in order to have the best sex, you also want to feel sexy yourself and just kind of a romantic night thinking like candles, thinking dim lights, trying to relax and feel in a sexy way with sex or not. I think that's really, really positive. Um, my other favorite, I call mindful masturbation. And that's when you can send a sexy text <laughs> to your partner throughout the day. So sexting is not just for millennials sexting is for everybody. So you're kind of throwing these sexy things out throughout the day that maybe you've never done before. You're sending that surprise text to your partner, making them feel good. And it feels kind of good yourself. 
So what can I do that makes me feel sexy as a person in my individual self? And then also what can I do that makes my partner feel really good mentally and physically? I think, I think those are great. And, um, I, through some research that I've done too, even, um, I guess it kind of fall a bit in line with like the excitement factor with, with toys is like having some type of game or some type of thing that you can do together. Right. Because then it's just kind of getting you, getting you to see each other in a different light. Um, and it might kind of bring up other excitements or passions or whatnot. So it's just nice to kind of break the, I guess, the cycle of just, you know, sitting in quarantine and watching Netflix. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That anticipated excitement that it's, it's something new and in something new that sexually you learn a lot about yourself and about your partner, whether they like it or not. And it becomes kind of that safe place to try things. Again, if it is, you're constantly sending messages back and forth to your partner of if it's safe or not. So I'm kind of talking from an angle that both people are feeling safe, but you know, maybe they're not. And that's a whole nother angle then that I can explore because sometimes a challenge in sex is one of the first signs that we know something is wrong in the relationship. Yeah, I think I was reading on your website, you said something like the first emotional disconnect is like a reduction in like sex or physical touch or like affectionate or love language, kind of like talking to your partner with affection. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I guess all of this, if you're talking about introducing toys and just the rut in general would start with communication. Would you say that that's fair? Like you have to talk about or like address that there's a problem first, kind of like with any other thing that you're dealing with? You 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 do. In order to make kind of a, a change, I think the best way is to kind of say that maybe there is something different here. It doesn't always have to be like there's something wrong with us. Hey, there's something different. Like we are not really having sex as much and I would like more or, hey, I would like to help my desire to go up, you know, in I want to bring in hormones too. Sometimes with the testosterone, if you're somebody who's just kind of really feeling like your drive and desire is very low, um, maybe there's something off chemically, you know, with your testosterone level. So always kind of thinking about how is my body impacting my desire? society likes to put sex in a box over here and make it separate from us, but it's not. We're very complex beings. So depending on how we physically feel, we'll be, have a direct correlation with our sex life and our desire. And I think it's important to address too that, and I'm saying this from my own perception too, of, you know, how you're saying porn is not like the real deal, you know, that's, it's, it's all a show, right? But sex can be done in very many in many different ways it doesn't always have to be like penetration necessarily so i think that's that's part of it too is people feel like it has to be a certain way or else it's not really sex (laughs) exactly so you know I have a lot of people who come to me with um, a sexual challenge and a sexual challenge ranging all the way from not being able to become erect if they have a penis all the way to having like vaginal dryness or just having like low desire. So I have a lot of, a lot of different reasons that somebody would come to me. And I would say, if you're struggling with a sexual challenge, there is a way to have amazing and pleasurable and great 
sex. If you go to a sex therapist, there are things we can teach you that maybe society didn't teach you, Cosmo didn't teach you, that can really help you overcome some of these challenges. You know, so I'm dealing with a young man in which is very common, young man who has trouble holding an erection. Why? Because sometimes he gets in his head. He wants to give his partner an orgasm and I'm, you can't give your partner an orgasm. You know? So this anxiety comes up in his head. So he's like, what do I do? Sometimes I become soft when I'm inside my girlfriend. He's a heterosexual male. So it's between a man and woman. So I'm like, well, why don't you try outer course? He had never heard of outer course. Do you guys know what outer course is? never heard that before i've never heard the term before okay see see, and these are some of the things that you know we can that's what he said to me too never heard about (laughs) i'm like you don't have to be inside your partner in order to call it penetrative sex you can have sex on the outside you can rub your penis on her vulva on her clitoris. If you think about for women, typically they orgasm from clitoral stimulation anyway. And it took a little bit for him to accept it, but he actually tried it. And he was like, Oh my God, I loved it. And my partner loved it. I was like, I'm, I'm so happy because you know what, even if you have anxiety and you start to lose your erection, that does not mean you can't have great sex. That doesn't mean you can't orgasm. So, you know, these are some of the things that, you know, a sex therapist can help with in helping somebody, no matter what challenge they're having at that time to have great sex. Yeah, you beat me to the punch on that one, because I was going to ask, like, what is it like to work with a sex therapist if somebody did decide to go that route? Like, I think of the scenario in my head, okay, you're in a rut, you've talked about it, you've tried, but like, you're still not really able to break that cycle. Like maybe you decide to work with a sex therapist aside, like what was that like? But you said like, we can give you tips and things. And I laugh because you're like, maybe Cosmo didn't teach you. And I'm just like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Cosmo has a lot of great tips. (laughs) I I like to put sex tips on my Instagram all all the time. I have fun doing them. But it's one thing that's different. I think when you go to a therapist that's a certified sex therapist versus a mental health therapist in my intake at the beginning, I'm much more physically focused. So I will ask a lot of questions about your testosterone level. I will ask if it's a penis owner, I will ask, you know, have you had a morning erection? Have you always had trouble staying erect? And I'm really trying to see, you know, because these things are so, so common are, you know, is there a blood flow issue? Is there a testosterone issue? You know, with women, I'll really ask, you know, where they are in their cycle, where they are in menopause, because, you know, women going through menopause or pre-menopause, you know, even in their beginning forties, they're going to experience like a little bit more vaginal dryness where then that's painful and then we don't want sex. Now, I might be in a sexual rut, but that's not the origin of why I'm in a sexual rut. I don't want sex because I'm having some pain. And, you know, there are a lot of different avenues and we can go with just the physical. So I work really closely with urologists. I work really closely with OBGYNs. Um, And that's first, like you'll come into me first and I'll ask a lot of questions around just the physicality. That's for individual or couples. And then I start to get into the mental side of it. 
So I'm curious. And then later I ask you some sexy questions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, I'm curious because you said t- testosterone is like related, is like the driver of your sex drive, for lack of a better word. Is that, just to clarify, is that for men and women? It is. Yeah. Testosterone for men and women. I know men get more of like this societal norm, but it is for men and women. That is our sex drive hormone. And I think one of the key things is it's totally normal to go through these kinds of things, to have these kinds of sexual difficulties, whether it's sexual complacency, like you said, or like, you know, erectile, like a hard time staying erect or vaginal dryness and that something we try to do on the podcast that I think it's good we mention it now is these things are normal, but maybe part of the problem is we're just uncomfortable talking about them. And so we create the story that like, it's just us, this only happens to me and the embarrassment around that. So, so much. So I was speaking to this group a little while back and I was saying, remember when you were in seventh grade and when you were in high school and you went to anatomy, it's funny how I know my teacher, you know, taught me all the anatomical parts of my body, except my genitals. (laughs) That was not something that they were going to. And I didn't learn the anatomical definition for each part of the genitals until my PhD program. And I live sex. So, I mean, that's my profession. This is what I study all day long. And so I thought that was kind of crazy, but what does that teach a seventh grader? What does that teach a high schooler kid? It teaches that those are parts of your body. You don't talk about that. They're a part that you keep to yourself And those core messages that we learn as a kid stay with us through our life. So these are some of the reasons that, you know, we do kind of hold them in and now instead of you know, people learning about sex from maybe their parents. I don't think they ever have just because that can be super uncomfortable. Where do people learn about sex? They learn about it from porn. Like, so that's where a lot of people learn sex. Well, porn is cinematic. Porn is meant for your stimulation. Porn is meant to look sexy and whatever you're into. And that's not really realistic. So they did a study and they found that like 20% of men who were virgins were terrified to have sex and didn't want to have sex because of the fear that they wouldn't be able to stay hard and perform. So there you have people who have never experienced sex, but are already terrified. Well, that fear comes from society. It comes from porn. It comes from hearing other people talking about what they need to look like and perform like. Yeah, it's so true. You end up going and kind of exploring on your own or looking elsewhere, but it's like a very misguided information. Um, but even how, you know, if you would go to like a really close friend, for an example, with with some type of problem, like I'm really stressed out about X going on in my life right now, but sex was never really something you openly talk about, like about, hey, I'm having this performance issue or I'm, I'm experiencing some anxiety around performance. Like, you know, if you try to talk about that with friends, people are like, no, 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 like, I don't want to talk about that. It's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. or, or they talk about how good they were. Yeah. Right. Or, Only or that. there's like, <laughs> Only that <right>? part. <laughs> I gave, I gave my partner five orgasms, right? True, true <laughs> or not. I, I hope so. I hope so for you guys. But, um, you know, then we have that pressure of, we need to be, we need to perform and that anxiety before sex, during sex, will totally decrease your erection 
for women, it happens too. We'll totally make somebody dry up, get in their head. And then we have, you know, these sexual challenges. That's why I say sometimes there are more sexual challenges in younger people because sex is between the ears and there's so much like performance pressure. That's why I saying, you know, as we get older, I think sex just gets better as you get older. Like I learned thirties. I don't know. I'm hearing from my clients. Like fifties is great. I just think it gets better as you get older. <laughs> well, that's good. It just keeps getting better and better. Who doesn't want to yeah. hear that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I think that it's very fascinating that it's just very, it can be very, obviously you might have some physical issues going on, um, but there's so much psychological part in it. Right. And if you're not, if your head's not in the game, basically, then you're, you're going to be elsewhere. Um, but I guess as we're coming to a close, is, is there anything else that you might want to offer to our listeners? Like any last little insights, it could be related to what we've talked about, or it could just be something else in general around the topic. Yeah, I think just overall, my mission as a sex therapist, like my goal of what I want to do is really spread this norm that sexual challenges are common in that even if you're experiencing a sex challenge, you can have great sex. And there are so many ways to overcome whatever you are experiencing and to really, you know, reach out. If you don't feel comfortable talking about it with your friends, I, I encourage you to reach out to a sex therapist. Like we, we have the training and it's all about sex. And I hope that's like an emotionally safe place to kind of open up and talk about things. Um, but also, you know, we talk a lot about relationships to in in general because of course that comes in how we feel about our body so just knowing that this this is common and it doesn't have to be a forever we don't have to white knuckle through whatever <laughs> challenge we're having mm -hmm. yeah I think that's great um just the the normalizing for everybody and that you're not in it alone and even if you haven't talked about it it's very likely somebody beside you or somebody you know in your life has gone through it or is going through it as well and completely yeah thank you so much but before we totally wrap things up melinda if people are interested where can they find you yes yeah, so if you're looking for sexy little tips or um just information on sex in general go to my instagram first and once you get there you have a gateway to everything and my instagram is at miami sex therapist and we are, yeah, we're going to leave like everything about your Instagram, website, YouTube uh, in our show notes. So people can find that on our website or um, in the description box on pod on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as well. Perfect. I love having these like sexy little conversations. So I'll have to do it again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, right. Melinda. Thank you both so much. Have a great day. Yeah. All right. Care. You too. Bye. 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 Well. That was, uh, that was, that was fun. That was, it, it, it brings me back to like the basic of the podcast where it was like, what are we not talking about that we should be talking about, but maybe we're not talking about it because we're shy or we're embarrassed or like, you know? Yeah. Well, to me, it's just like, everyone's doing it for the most part. Um, so it should be something that we talk about. And I thought my biggest takeaways was about having that performance anxiety, you know, like you get in your own head about things. And I thought it was really fascinating to talk about the idea that there is 
you know, little mini relationships within a larger relationship with somebody. Because if you're with somebody for 10 years, like a lot can change in 10 years. And you may change together or on an individual level. So it's important that, you know, when you go through those those phases um, where things maybe are difficult or more stressful, that you're you're working through those together. Yeah, I liked how she said, too, like, if you are in a sexual rut, you don't have to book this big, expensive, fancy vacation to the Bahamas or get a hotel. Like, you can just have sex in the kitchen. Yeah, your own kitchen, though. Well. Not anyone else's. (laughs) She didn't say that. (laughs) But, you know, maybe it's a little bit more considerate, if that's the word. Yeah, but no, it, it doesn't have to be anything large. You can just do small things, like even being in quarantine, you know, having a little romantic dinner or setting aside a time to, you know, do an activity that's different from the norm. And the other thing too is this is normal. It happens to everybody at some point in time in their relationship. But good news for everybody out there. Apparently, sex just keeps getting better and better and better and better. So, you know, stay at it. Keep communicating with your partner if you are going through like sexual challenges or difficulties is the takeaway. And yeah, I mean, this is uncomfortable to talk about sometimes or we get a little giddy because we don't, we're not used to it. But it's just the elephant in the room if you're not talking about it. So, you know, just say like, hey, George, you big gray elephant. You, you you sexual rut over there. I see you. And I'm going to talk about you with my partner. And, and we're going to get back in the sack. And Melinda gave us some great tips on how to do that. Yeah. And all in all, like, if it's something that you can just discuss with your partner openly, then great. But if you feel like you need to maybe get some help with a sex therapist, uh, I mean, Melinda's located in Miami, but I'm sure there are plenty of sex therapists everywhere to get in touch with. So... Yeah. And if this was your jam and you're looking for more of this, you can subscribe on Apple and Spotify. We have another great episode on sexuality coming up next week. You can also find us on Instagram at Hallie Podcast. We're always posting cool stuff. Until then, um, we'll see you guys on the next episode, but get out there and I guess be sexy. Bye.